Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Regeneration Podcast. I'm Michael Martin here with my co-host, Mike Sauter. Mike, how are you? I'm doing fine. How about yourself? It's been a hectic morning. <laughs> I just got in the house from helping my daughter milk because my, other, my wife and the other kids went to their homeschool thing. And uh, it's kind of a chaotic morning. But I'm back in the saddle. Milking cows or goats? Cows. Okay. Well, just one cow. But uh, And then, yeah, so that kind of stuff. Um, and here, we're going to actually have a, a wonderful conversation with, with Mary Walter, who is the, I don't know what your title is, but she she yes. runs and makes stuff for the Great Lakes Sacred Essence in Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. Michigan. And I have a story that's connected to that. So she, Mary doesn't know this. Yeah. I don't think Mary knows this. So my son Dylan is now 30. And when he was born, it was, he was my wife's first child. And so... Uh, we probably started giving him food too early, and all of a sudden he had all the he exploded with allergies. He had eczema super bad, and he even and his fingernails almost looked like feathers. They were like feathered, if you can imagine. I've never seen it in another child. Huh. And we, you know, take took him to uh, a holistic pediatrician. Nothing helped. But then one of our former guests, Mary or Mary Jo Oresti, said. You got to take him. And she, she's actually Dylan's godmother. She said, you need to take him to Mary Walter. So Bonnie took him to Mary Walter's almost 30 years ago. Oh. And it helped. It worked. Oh. Well, I, can't remember. I, don't know, I don't know what you gave him, but uh, it worked. And then, yeah. so this is, this is, the story gets even better. So a couple of days ago, when we, when we confirmed that we would be talking to Mary this morning, I was, <laughs> I was here in my office. And I go into the kitchen and my Bonnie, my wife, was talking to one of our uh, herd share customers or members, uh, and so she was here picking up some some raw milk, and they were talking about healing and whatever, and I just told Bonnie, I said, hey, we're going to talk to Mary Walters on Friday, and she said, that's great, and, and the person she was talking to, is that the woman in Ann Arbor? I took my son to see him. Wow. So, so yeah. <laughs> and okay. So that's why we're here today, to talk to about Mary's fascinating work. And, I, and I've been impressed for a long time. And I've never met Mary in person, but I'm really yeah. glad to meet this acquaintance today. Yeah, and I'm so glad welcome, to, Mary. Yeah, and also let's mention that though she's calling in this morning, that <laughs> they, they get to see the spelling of her first name, which might people might not have known had we not That's seen right. it on her screen. M-E-R-R-I. How'd you get that first name, Mary? Um, it's, uh, it's an old name. Um, uh, I'm, my background is my, uh, my mother was, uh, her parents were Samis from Northern Europe, the, the reindeer herder type. Wow. And uh, yeah, there was, a, you know, one of their, their children or their, no, one of my grandmother's sisters was named Mary, M-E-R-I. And I think because I was born just before Christmas, my dad added another R into it. But yeah, <laughs> there was stuff going on there. <laughs> so, so if you could, Mary, why don't you tell us how you got started in, I don't know, the, the healing work that you do. Okay. I've been well, doing it for a long time. Right, right. Probably over 40 years now. Uh, very clearly, I was born and always kind of struggling with my health. Uh, from the time I was a little girl, I, I had struggles. I had chronic strep throat. I had you know, so they, I was on rounds of antibiotics again and again, which of course we all know is not a good mm-hmm. idea. You know, pretty much strips your immune system. Yeah. And uh, I had just so many things. I, I, 
you know, I don't even want to chronicle all of those things I had as a, as a child and young adult. In my 20s, though, I was doing social work. I had all these different counseling jobs and social work, and I worked with so many different people, and um, which was great for life experience, but it kept coming back to my body. My body was not holding up. And I think that you'll find a lot of healers have this story, you know, where they're really struggling. Um, And uh, so, you know, I went to all the Western medical people and they did what they did. And they tried to do crazy things, put me on crazy drugs and things, but they, they never worked. And so I just really, I've always had a a really deep and rich prayer life. And I just got told way back then just you know you need to go in a different direction you know like start trusting nature start start looking in other ways and so I'm really very self-taught it doesn't mean I haven't studied with people along the way or been very interested in other you know ways of practicing I've definitely learned things but and a lot of that is my curiosity I'm always interested in, you know, like, oh, what, what's going on there? And, you know, like, what can I learn from that? Or what can I, and so what I really learned though, was that my super sensitivity, you know, and I mean like sensitive, emotional, physically, I could, I could sit next to somebody and take on their illness. You know, I mean, I was just, mm-hmm. I was pulling it in. I was feeling everything. And I learned that that is actually a gift. Uh, but you have to learn how to control it. You have to learn how to understand the information that you are receiving and then use it as a, um, you know, a tool, but a, a, as a way to, to see the world and to, and to understand like, okay, this is good for me. That's not good. This is, you know, and, and I've learned to project that sensitivity and work with other people you know, actually feel what's in their body, you know, and then I can locate that, you know, I've got this office I'm sitting in with like thousands of homeopathic and herbal and, you know, flower essence remedies and other essential oils, other things that I work with that may be helpful, you know, but also a lot of other information too, in structural guidance. So that's, that's kind of my, been my path and it's a learning path continuing mm-hmm. to learn on and continue to be very spiritually connected where I, I recognize and guide it all the time. You yeah. know? It's a fascinating so, that you mentioned, you know, just right off the bat for our listeners too, that um, you invoked God in a number of ways and a number of times and God's gifts in creation. But the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if Mike and I both kind of come from a Catholic background, the notion mm-hmm. again that like, uh, uh, you know, that we've been so severed the Catholic faith from, you know, for a while you had Catholic hospitals, then they were Catholic in name only. Now they're all closed, at least in Rochester. But, um, you know, you give me hope that there's a different way that we can just become people or, or any type of Christian or any, any person of faith can become people who aren't just constrained to this thing we call like, you know, religious stuff or church. Well, building. And also it's strange from the cosmos, which, right. uh, which mm-hmm. I think that what's, mm-hmm. what's, I think so so important. It's what I've been I've been writing books about this for a long time, but uh, and Mary's work is is actually um, so I might be the theoretical practice. I'm a farmer, the farmer's not so a theoretical, but Mary's actually doing practical application of all the things I've been right. talking about theology. So so Mary, what if you could tell us, um, you know what what so what happens? So say when my wife brought Dylan to, or someone comes to see you, what is your process or what do you do? <laughs> 
Well, I had to break things down because there's so many things going on in the human system. So I, I, um, I have learned like an acupuncture system of identifying spots on the body, you know, basically where you can get different information, like, okay, I can listen to the liver here. I can spleen here. I can listen to the immune system or the, the lymphatic system. And so I will touch my client in these areas. Uh, I do remote sessions now too. And so I just touch myself and figure it out, like what is going on there. And then I can listen to those areas of the body and see, what do I see? And then, you know, and I think that this is where, you know, you get this leap of faith that, um, you know, I've always, like like I said, been very spiritually oriented. And and I, you know, I love these quotes in the Bible where it says something like, um, you know, you're going to be able to do even more than this. You can move mountains. You can, you know, all these, these great quotes. But nobody really practices that. And so I I was just like, okay, the leap of faith. This way I can feel the energy here. And then I can walk across the room or, you know, anywhere really. And I can put my hand on something and know and and go, oh, that's a match. You know, and what you feel or what I feel is um, it's kind of like a uh, magnetic connection. Like it. The, the two, sub, the substance and the body go whoop and go right together. And um, then, you know, like, okay, this is really, you know, helpful to, you know, that particular part of the body. But then there's more process there because I have to, I usually will have somebody do more than one thing because I'm going to be working with the physical body. I'll be work, uh, um, you know, the spiritual body, I'll be working with the intellectual body, uh, you know, I'll be working with different parts of the body to make sure that all works together. So as I gather things together, I'll be rechecking those and rechecking the body and saying, okay, you know, is this a good mix, you know, and it's why I've gone into so many different things. I know that the original homeopathics, like wouldn't let you take any herbs along with that homeopathic. Well, why right. wouldn't you take an herb <laughs> along with it? I can't ever figure that out. That is so funny. They were trying to do they were trying to develop a science. I do understand where they wanted to know some that this really worked, and, um, you know, and it wasn't the herb that also went along with it. But I, I don't need to do that, you know, because I'm not developing a science. I'm I'm just trying to help that person, you know, feel better. So I find like you have the homeopathics, which work very much in what I call the, um, uh, the intelligence of the body. So your body's always trying to, it's not that your body ever wants to be in distress. It's trying to heal, but sometimes it's missing the information it needs to get there. And so you, you know, the homeopathic's going to give you that information if it's the right one, it's the wrong one, won't do a thing. Uh, and you know, then the herbs, the herbs are going to give you the substance your body needs, the trace minerals, the nutrients, you know, whatever it is. So you get that in there and then you go to um, flower essences and the flower essence will give you the spiritual information, the emotional, um, the emotional healing, because we get, only get ill when there's some sort of break in that spiritual, emotional field. Hmm. You know, it, you don't just get, you, you know, if somebody is like, I've never been sick a day in my life. And you look at their persona and that they just move through the world with a strength. 
you know, and you go, okay, well, then nothing can get into that. But then their wife dies or they, you know, they have, they get fired from work, they get some trauma and then suddenly they get sick, you know, so, you know, all of these things are important, but I'm saying to that healing process. So that's why I've gone in all these different things. I, my goal really is to support the person in front of me. There's a, there's a question, like a statement in the question, um, and maybe a comment too. So the statement is when you mentioned the moving mountain, I think it's so refreshing that you're contextualizing this kind of in that original, um, you know, you're turned out of that. Like, you know, so many young people, they can't believe the lilies of the field and the birds of the air stories are real. And I know people in the recovery community who say like the 12 steps themselves were fine, but in the recovery community, it was the 12 promises that inspired them to move forward. You know, and I think getting your energy is a great way to relate to people now from those promises. You know, we're so cynical now. Can something like that be true? And also with, um, you know, your felt sense of connections, and this will bring in Michael's work too, but your, your felt sense of connections between certain herbs and certain organs of the body, you know, and it could be like milk thistle in the liver, you know, mm-hmm. that Michael's work he's explored, and I do too on my own, you know, uh, we're living in a world of fallen perception. Now we could say it just happened, but also, you know, you can explain it almost mechanic, um, mechanistically. If you just said, you know, when we look at the world now, we always have like the scientific motive to dissect is to, you know, to kill is to understand and so forth. And the other one would be- Murder is to to dissect is to murder. To murder, right. And the other one would be the profit motive. Can I even look at a tree or a person without reducing them to their component parts or the profit motive? You know, when Jesus says, if you look at a world, a girl or a woman with the wrong way, it's better to tear out your eye, right? So there's, we've lost a perceptual ability and you're saying you're gifted maybe through suffering early, but uh, can you comment on that a little bit? And finally, you know, on one of your videos, I just want to make sure you make it clear that to people who might be foreign from this, uh, you have a video on flower essences and just the fact that, yes, we turn to flowers when people are sick. We turn to flowers like Tussie Mussie to, mm-hmm. to explain so many different things that uh, that that can open a door that we already are turning to flowers for these essence in one way. Um, and you totally. make it so clear. And I think it's a great bridge into your work. But go ahead on any of those. OK. Hey, yeah, I, I think that, you know, I, I make essences just because. I've also, you know, I have to think, be clear about making the essences. I didn't ever decide I was going to go do this. You know, I was really spiritually um, told over and over again, you need to do this. And I, I have eight children. I was ex- at that time, 20 years ago, I was really busy with a busy practice. Michael, I know you have a lot of children. You have some sort of an idea of how much household, you know, uh, responsibility and tasks and things like that are going on all the time. And the, the individual, you know, it's, it's a lot. And, um, you know, I say I was over and over again asked you now this voice, because I do hear voices. Um, now we need to, you to make essences of the flowers. And I, I knew that, you know, other people make flower essences. I have over 2000 flower essences in my offices made by other people, you know, and so, and I know the power of them and I was not um, feeling like I needed to do that also. Um, But what happened to me during that process was uh, I made a couple 
And I thought, well, that's good. You know, uh, we had been on a vacation up on Lake Superior and we came back and I said, okay, you know, I've done, I've done the job. And um, I was having a prayer with my husband in our backyard. And I get this message again. Now we need you to make essences of the flowers. And I, I looked up and um, we had a cherry tree in our backyard that um, we had planted Oh, years ago for, it had the placentas of two of our children under. And um, I didn't realize when I planted a cherry tree there that cherry trees only about 23 years or so. And that cherry tree had died years ago. And when I looked up um, the cherry tree in September, the dead cherry tree in September was in full blossom. It had blossomed all over it, you know? And I just... I was reduced to complete weeping. Wow. You know, I couldn't believe that this had, um, that it took that much one to get me to do something I was supposed to do, you know, that I had to have that kind of a spiritual, uh, intervention. But, um, yeah, of course I did start at that moment to be committed to that path and realize that that was really to do. Um, what happened then was, um, that cherry tree continued to put up blossom until December, wow. you know, in snow, it made Christmas cherries. Wow. Uh, and, you're looking you know, Michigan. This, this is not Georgia folks. No, no, this is Michigan. Yeah. And it was a dead tree. Everything about this, like you walk past that tree and you like sort of knocked on a branch and it would pretty much almost rip off the tree. There was really not any, you know, any life in the way we know it in that tree. Well, that tree then, you know, it made these Christmas cherries and then it went looking dead again. It was dead all the next summer for four years in a row. It bloomed in September. And you gotta remember cherry trees don't bloom in September, they bloom in April. Mm -hmm. And uh, did the same process. And that winter, I was told to make one more essence of those blossoms. And then I knew something was going to happen. And then in January, we had an ice storm and it, the, the tree just, every branch just fell on the ground and actually see how dead it was. And there wasn't some little green thing coming up and um, it was a very dead tree. Uh, so that was really the beginning of that. Um, we had a whole lot of uh experiences miracle experiences several things where things would just bloom bloom in the middle of winter i had a a, a primrose blooming december but you know like this winter it's not very cold it was like i believe about 17 degrees and i walked out actually a client told me she said mary flowers grow <laughs> blooming out there and uh yeah and it, it was so cold out that when flower essences are really just the energy for thousands like you do with an essential oil you need to collect with a flower essence the process is very easy it's a very spiritual process you get asked to make the essence or that's how I do it I get asked I go out there with a crystal bowl I put the flowers in spring water in the essence or or if we're in nature somewhere else we collect water from that area and from a spring or a stream or something and uh then it just sits out there in with sun infusing, um, or at least the nature elements infusing don't have sun. And then you actually leave the flower and all you're collecting is that water, which we then potentize with uh, to make the us. But um, anyway, when we were making this one of this flower in, in um, 
in December, I, I put out the crystal bowl with the water and I, the flowers in the water and the water immediately froze on the top. So that's how cold it was. And I remember that the flower, right around the flower, it did not freeze as though the flower was putting out. So, you know, miracles, lots and lots of miracles have happened, you know, these years and this and, and before in my life too. And I think as human beings, one of the most important is not how much we know. It's how much we believe, uh, you know, we, we are so limiting ourselves by just believing these tiny little bits of existence. There's so much else going on. And when we start to recognize that, you know, all of the intelligence around us, the God force in everything, and that that's actually transmitting to us and helping us, you know, bringing us this light and energy Goodness sakes, you know, why, why do we just believe, you know, in the, this tiny bit of existence? We've been given some. Well, your story about the cherry tree reminds me as uh, you know, the, the Glastonbury thorn, you know, about the Glastonbury thorn, yes, yes. Which, which blooms at, at Easter, at Christmas. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. also, remember the, there's a wonderful Christmas carol, the cherry tree carol, you know that one? Mm-hmm. I don't know it either. Well, no, that's a famous one. It's a it's Joseph and Mary on the way to Egypt, and and uh, Mary asks for some cherries. You know, it's the dead of winter, right? They see a cherry tree and and fruit. So that's really wonderful. Um, now I, this is totally, totally. Uh, well, maybe not totally. Now, so what I remember Bonnie telling me about when she came to to see you with Dylan those years ago is how many kids you had in the house, which made her. <laughs> I think you inspired her because. Now we have nine, right? But uh, and and what's what's the age range of your children? Okay, my youngest will be turning twenty-four this year, um, and so and they go up to forty-one. There's seventeen years spread between the between the kids. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I kids are so great, and I've always worked. You know, when they were little, I worked with them in the office. You know, I never got like a babysitter to be watching them. Oh. They just came in and out. I always felt they were part of the healing. It yeah. was, uh, they really are. Beautiful statement. They were part of the healing. Definitely. And again, through their eyes, it could probably keep you focused on what you do. Yeah. You use the word, Mary, and again, some of your videos, and I, I think I know what you mean by it, but um, you know, you'll tell people your website and there's videos that describe kind of a lot of your work. And I would even some, some videos would describe kind of your philosophy, but you use the word sensitives a lot, you know, the sensitive, can yes. you, can you kind of describe for our listeners, you know, what you mean by that and why it takes such kind of a prominent role in your worldview? Yes. Um, so sensitives is actually a word my husband always used for me. He says, oh, well, that's because you're a sensitive, you know, <laughs> like when I would explain something or why I was perceiving something in a certain way. So it comes from that, although I see it being used a lot these days, there's books on it and, and all that. And I don't I haven't read those books, so I don't know if they mean the same thing. I mean, yeah, I think that there are a lot of people who are sensitives and at different levels and uh, a lot of children certainly being born and the younger generations, it simply means that you feel and you sense uh, that that is a predominant 
uh, part of your experience here is this sensing. And I, it's very negated in our culture. You know, we, we want our kids all to be scientists and, and, you know, basically go through the system, which teaches you how to go work in a corporation, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and that, you know, what the heck, you know, <laughs> I mean, just, it seems like you're missing the point stronger of language there, Mary. Yeah, these, yeah. Kids, these kids are born and their parents are thinking about what college they'll go to, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm like, no, that's not the point of being a human being. You know, we have to get back to that. But being as sensitive is just that, you know, that you're, you're experiencing things, you know, through your senses, you're experiencing things on a deeper level, you're, um, you know, and that that's important to you. Now, so many sensitives, it's just being turned off, mm -hmm. because it's seen as a problem, right. you know, it is uh, looked at as a medical, it's, <laughs> uh, and we, we need to like, stop that and recognize it all in, you know, primitive, I don't, don't want to call it primitive, but in, in, you know, tribal culture, sensitives were highly valued. They were the ones who could tell you that, you know, this is the herb, this is the medicine we need. This is, this is the weather that's coming, you know, along, you know, so we need to prepare for that. Uh, you know, they weren't the warrior. Um, there are, you know, some people are born and they are warriors and they, I'm not saying they should make war. I'm saying that they, you know, have a different strength in the world mm -hmm. and that's okay. Not everybody is a sensitive. Um, we wouldn't be a strong, we wouldn't have strong culture if, you know, God had created everybody the same or to have the same experience. We really need these other, um, these other ways of our brains functioning in our bodies. But I think that as far as sensitive um, sensitives in this time period, we need to acknowledge it. We right. need to go, oh, this is a gift. This oh, is like a, a, gift. a cornerstone that's been rejected, you know? Yeah. So, Mary, let me ask you about this this topic because I, I have personal investment. Um, do you notice that uh, the being a sensitive kind of runs in family lines at all? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it ran in my family line. Yeah. yeah. Because it didn't mind too. It's so my father, for instance. Uh, he often saw dead people. You know, they, they would come to visit him, and he yeah. would tell me about it. And uh, and then it, it passed. I think I must be the one it passed to in my family, because uh, in in my, uh, my among my siblings, and my wife always tell, tells uh, when my wife was was listening to something about MK Ultra experimenting with children doing remote viewing, and one of the kids says. What are they doing? Goes, this is what would have happened to your dad if MK Ultra knew he existed. When he was a <laughs> well, you, it, it, I think it's true because yeah. um, um, I've had similar experiences. And then my daughter, May, when she was little, she saw fairies in our garden she would, mm -hmm. while Bonnie was raking and she said, stop. And mm -hmm. Bonnie said, what's the matter? Goes, Those people down there, don't mm -hmm. touch them. Mm -hmm. So it, it, and she's definitely yeah. of my children for sure. Her, yeah. No, I, my my kids used to tell me things like that when they were small too, and mm -hmm. I used to see fairies, and I do still sometimes see them. Um, I think that that is there's always like less of a chance is out there, you know. And I think that that's just gets back to this. You know, where's your beliefs? You know, like because mm -hmm. the belief system allows for you know, a whole range of things to start opening up if you don't have it closed down. Um, yeah, I, 
I know that my brother, my oldest brother was, um, he, he died when he was 45. He had juvenile diabetes at the time. He was, he was blind the last of his life. And I remember visiting him. Uh, he, he lived, he was, we're talking ultra hippie. He lived in a uh, abandoned miners cabin in the mountains of Colorado. Oh, and he, we were, yeah, right. We were talking about um, uh, comets. And I, I don't know if Haley's comet was coming or going, or we were just talking about it. And he says, he says, oh yeah, but that that's nothing, you know, compared to, and now I'm talking about 1973. He says, you know, that's nothing compared to Hale-Bopp. And, uh, you know, and then he said after that, because he was a real jokester, he says, yeah, but wait till you see Hale-Bopp-Bopp, you know? And if he hadn't said that, I, you know, because that was, and then he left. And if he hadn't said that, I would have never remembered that name, Hale-Bopp. So when my kids come home from school and they tell me about this comet that is coming that, you know, is this just was discovered, I go, oh no. Oh, you know, because my brother told me about this, like, you know, all this time ago. But you know, John had all these these very psychic experiences he was having. He was here, lots of stories there. But um, yeah, we need to listen, you know, and recognize that people are talking the truth. And uh, I think a very common experience in my office. When someone brings in, say, their husband or their teenager, somebody who just thinks this is a bunch of hooey, you know, they're, they're not going to be in it. And they sit there with their arms crossed and they're looking at me, you know, and, and they're looking around my office. I've got lots of crystals and lots of things in my yeah. office, you know, to make me I'd look be relaxed great. in your office. And, I'm, uh, I'm on there with my arms folded when I go to my actual <laughs> position. <laughs> I'd be as open as anything at your office. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, you know, they, they're just being very skeptical. And I love it because we're just, we're just talking and I'm just doing my thing. And at some point they recognize this is, you know, that I hit on something, you know, that they know, oh my God, no one else could have known that no one else could have, you know, this is actually a, a real experience. And by the end of the, the session, the first session is two hours. So we get a lot of time. By the end of a session, I can hardly get them to leave because yeah. they just spill out like just all these experiences that they have had, yeah. but they had no one else to tell it to, yeah. you know, because in this world, you know, these things are negated, you know, people la laugh at you, people, you know, I mean, I learned as a, as a very young child to just shut up. Yep. You don't talk about this stuff, you know, because your friends and other people just don't get it now. Mm -hmm. But it me, I, I didn't shut it off. There's a theme. There's a, I don't know if it's apocryphal, but I was talking with somebody this morning and it came to my mind and I think it's relevant, but there's a, a story told of B.F. Skinner that his students, he was speaking on a stage and they would pretend to be falling asleep when he was speaking from the middle of the stage. But when he wandered over to a corner, they'd kind of a look alert by the end of the lecture or maybe the end of the semester, they always had him speaking from a tiny corner of the stage. And that's a good visual for me in what you're saying about, you know, what we're calling the narrowing of experience, right? right? That it feeds, you know, we, our vision gets constricted, so we see less. It gets more suggested to us that it's all right. just material. And then, but we've just had this wild kind of, uh, you know, they say 
you know, you smile when you're happy and when you smile, it makes you feel happy. And the same type of back and forth relationship has led to this wild, wild constriction of vision, you know, the narrowing of. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's why we're, our bodies are reacting by being in more pain. That's a beautiful way to say it. Yeah. So important. Yeah. And I think what's interesting too, is I think, uh, you know, people try to, you know, People act like they're scientific materialists. <laughs> you know, they've been trained to think like they're scientific materialists, but we aren't. I mean, we are organically. And I, I remember um, somebody, a friend of mine, you might even know him, Doug Doug Gabriel. Um, he told me, this is maybe 20 years ago. It has to be, no, it has to be 25, maybe 28 years ago. He told, because he, uh, he was dealing with a health issue himself at the time. And he had gone around, to, there, were, there was a, miraculous icon in St. Clair Shores of St. Frenarius and what happened on the Saint's Feast Day. <clears throat> um, so it had it was an icon of this saint, soldier saint, holding a candle. And on his feast day, the glass uh, around the candle flame formed a kind of halo and just kind mm -hmm. of burned into the glass. And then on, I think it was Palm Sunday, his halo was burned into the, somehow or etched in. And my friend Doug said, go see that thing, go check it out. So I went to check it out, Bonnie and I, and it was in this little tiny, basically garage Orthodox church in St. Clair Shores, or Fraser, I think it was. And so I went to see it, and the priest was talking to us, and he said, well, you might want to come up here, you're, you look like you're Catholic, There's a, we have a, a reliquary over here. And I went to the reliquary, which was right in front of the icons, and in there, one of the, one of the relics they had was a, a piece of cloth from the Virgin Mary. From one of her clothes and I, I remember thinking i said wow and i told bonnie i said it's like can you feel this she couldn't feel it it's like it's like there's electricity or something going from this relic to the icon stand yeah and bonnie didn't feel it but i certainly did it was undeniable and but the next time i saw doug i said i said hey doug i went to see that icon he said it's the it's the relic of mary <laughs> didn't even he went right there and i said and i was like wow that's confirmation yeah um yeah. And so, and I think, and I, as as you say, Mary, more people are sensitive to we let on, and and it's crushed yeah. the sensitivity it's crushed. By, it's crushed. by our culture and, and our education yeah. in particular. Yeah, it is. You know, our friend Guido Pepperata, he looks at the whole, yeah. you know, what he calls the techno structure. It's simply even, and it's so evil, but looks at, you know, almost racially, you know, that the people who are kind of calling the shots, who oppress this stuff you know, look at whole groups of people by whether they as groups of people can fit into this world you describe of working, you know, on computers and cubicles and as engineers. And if they're not, they're relegated to, you know, second, third or fourth class status. But um, you know, again, the microcosm mirrors the macrocosm. Yeah, I you think that we, example. you know, I've encouraged all my kids, you know, like, like, don't go into corporate work, you know, like, come on, you know, like, let's, you know, do what you're here to do, be who you you know who you are um and you'll be okay mm -hmm. you know but you can't buy into those structures and of course not all of them have some of them are in those structures but you know that's i was just going to um, mention the show family ties that every family like yours my own included has somebody who wants to just go into that world and they they do quite well but i'm sure it's the case mary where they haven't forgotten their roots no they've not they've not no no my kids are awesome you know there's not isn't awesome isn't just sensitive you know it's just that it, it's a hard place to be I mean because you get you know you become a young adult you have to make money there isn't any other way to pursue your life you know you're going to have to support yourself and make money and that's a hard thing you know yeah. because what are your options you know um 
uh, hopefully you end up doing something you love and hopefully, you know, you can use your gifts, but, um, there's, there is that component, you know, Mm -hmm. where we all have to be really, we have to engage in that and at some level. Yeah. Unfolding. But, but it's interesting. You're making, you're, you're bringing back memories. So back in the the eighties, it had to be mid eighties, little, maybe a little, maybe 87, 88. I started to think, wow. And I was working at a bookstore at the time, but I started to think, you know what I'd really like to do? I'd really like to be an herb gay. And I was living in the city. I was in Oak Park. I was in Ferndale at the time. So it would be, I would love that job. But I think what it was, and the other, the other thing for my whole life was fascinating fascinating with growing things so i think that was that was were, were one of the impulses pushing me in the direction of being a biodynamic farmer and uh <clears throat> which is which is what i am now um so uh so but i but i think this is important what you're talking about is uh these kinds of intuitions or even instincts that that we have as, as young people and that we see in our children and and that we live in a in a culture that's basically hostile to that you know so how do you yeah. and it's an, an important point you make you know you still have to make a living somehow so how, how does that happen and and how do you and i think this yeah. is the lesson right is how do you learn to trust how do you learn yeah. to trust? Yeah. yeah tell you more about yeah. that question michael and mary you know i'm sorry that how do you learn to trust i want you to unpack that a little bit you know because you're yeah well for me i just feel like i've never had any um i don't know i don't have an ability to not trust you know (laughs) if i could say it that way um i i've always felt that you know i've always been just led by led by that trust i mean i could go back to being a teenager i could go back to being a young person i i guess so the way my husband and I travel is the way I started to travel when I was 17. I, I went on a big pilgrimage out west with two of my girlfriends when I was 17. And um, what we did every morning, we'd get out the map and we would ask, where are we going? And what road are we taking? And we still tra- we traveled that way with all eight kids. We often would get in the big van and, and you know, everybody's packed up and we didn't know if we were going north or south. You know, <laughs> our kids were kind of like, well, mom, we kind of hate this because we can't ever tell our friends where we're going. And then we end up going all these cool places, you know, yeah, you know there was social media back then when the kids were growing up. So they couldn't just like, you know, tweet everybody where they were or what they were doing. Um, but yeah. And, and, you know, that, that kind of moved into making these essences, we were already set because, you know, we would do the same thing. And so it's not just about making that essence of say the daisy or something. Um, It's about making the daisy that's growing in the place you're supposed to make that essence at the right astronomical timing, you know, and that, um, you know, there's so many components there you know, that are going on uh, to create that synergy Mm -hmm. and um, get the correct intelligence. And then, and then of course, you know, we're in the desert of New Mexico or Utah or something. And, and we're told you're making an essence tomorrow morning. Okay. And so we kind of know some things we know we have to get up before summer. We have to pack our flower essence pack, but then we get out and we have no idea where we're going, you know, so we have to get led down the right path to find 
whatever it is we're making that essence of. And then I think the next process in that is sitting there for the couple of hours that you're waiting that us to be made and um, and writing the story that um, and that's that's what I hear. So if you get onto my website and you read, you know, you read about a plant, you'll find you find like where did she get this information? I get it right from the plant. You know, I, I'm not making that. I'm not researching it. Yeah, I'm not. You know. That, that's been, you know, the reason we have like 300 essences is just uh, because that comes right there, right then. And um, then we take it out into the world and uh, see if it works, you know, <laughs> involved, but they're always. And I think that the question was trust. There's yeah, a lot of trust. There's yeah, a lot of process. There's a lot of trust. In it. Yeah, there's a lot of trust and there's a lot of trust. And that's the way I live my life is that trust and if i don't trust no idea what would happen mm. i think probably not much you know <laughs> because I, it'd be a different life and i think that that's when i say we have to believe you know that that's just the biggest factor for human beings is this this factor of belief and if we don't have that belief you know uh that trust um, we're, we're going to end up doing things that we regulate to safe. And that makes our life very slow. And that's why we don't meet the love of our life or, or find, you know, find what we really want. Maybe we will eventually, but, you know, really there's so much of that where we're just jumping off a cliff. Don't mm -hmm. know what is going to happen. You got to get that faith and trust. It's an important distinction. I mean, the opposite of trust is fear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and love, right? And love. <laughs> St. Paul says fear casts, you know, love casts out fear. But yeah, not trusting is a form of fear. When opposite is love. Right. And, and I think we see, I mean, we live this and this is, you know, how I, mean, I was teaching. I teach this course on, uh, it's supposed to be on writing theory, but I just write about <laughs> whatever I want to do it. And right. the things we talk about is the power of propaganda, you know, and propaganda runs on this carrot and the stick and, and the stick is fear. And the carrot is reward or a, a perceived reward for what you think you're doing. But neither one of those things have anything to do with, with trust or belief, right? So you be, so you become kind of enmeshed in this trap, you know, the matrix or whatever you want to call it. You're just not in the real world anymore. And this is what I've been writing about for years is how do we, and I, and I don't have to tell Mary this, but but the, the question for, I think, a lot of people is how do we re-engage in the real Right. Yeah. How do we, and you man, you mentioned, right? So uh, like the one, you know, picking the flowers at the at the proper astronomical moment. Right. Um, could you talk a little bit more about that? Well, right. Well, <laughs> so the thing is, is I'm not an astrologist. I, you know, I know a little bit, but I am not I am not guiding that. But I know it's happening. You know, I know that the reason we couldn't do this essence, you know, somewhere else in my backyard or, you know, um, because the same flower essentially will grow in many places frequently. I mean, sometimes we're doing something quite unique. Uh, but, um, you know, I know that those things are at play and those things are influences, you know, this uh, where the moon is, you know, what time of day it is, you know, so many things are at play. And even my emotions, my husband's sense, because we, we make them together, um, 
you know, all of that. I mean, we start with prayers. We ask, you know, to be cleared of all the crap we might be, you know, feeling or, you know, um, at the time. We, we ask to be, uh, to be ready. We ask the plant, are you ready? Is this the right time? Is this the right place? We, even if we've been guided there and, and um, you know, we've been told to do all these things, we always ask before we do it. We ask the permission um, because I think those are important things. We're forgetting that we have to ask permission. Um, we just, you know, I think that's what, you know, your, your prayer before you eat, you know, it, part of that is just permission. Do I have permission to eat this? Do the, 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 the carrots that I'm eating, are they okay with this? Is this a good thing? You know, is this good for my body? Is it, you know, the, the blessing is one thing, but the permission is another thing. We need to remember that we we need to go to both of those places and just be more proud with it all. You know, I, I I believe that if humankind were taught more of this, and our religion has failed us in many ways, you know, in its more structural sense mm-hmm, of teaching things, I think it alludes to it. But it, it doesn't really teach us practice how we need to be in the world. And, and that's sad, you know, and I think it's why so many people, you know, it's the same with the, the medical institutions that call themselves healing institutions and all of that. You know, they're failing. Up. They, they really are have become more institutions and not, um, you know, not what they need to be. You know, not they're, they're not really healing us and they're not really even putting us on that path. And, and with our, um, you know, with our connection to spirit and that sacred part of ourselves, that's just so, I, I want to say it's worse than sad. It's almost devastating. It's tragic. It's Yes. It's tragic that lost thing. So true. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, and that, you know, big part of what Mike and I are doing with this podcast is trying to help people reconnect with that. And my work is all about, you know, I've written all these books. They're all about that. It's like, I haven't written nine books. I've written one book nine times, right? Because uh, and that's the, that's the only message when people say, what's sociology about? I said, well, basically being in harmony with, with the spiritual world and the, in the natural world. No, really, what's it up? No, that's it. <laughs> that's the whole thing. It must be more because you wrote nine books. No, it's not very complicated. And, and you would know this, Michael, Michael that, um, you know, when you write, you're not writing it. I know when I write, I'm not writing it. It's coming through you. Mm-hmm. And I think that anybody who's writing needs to understand that because people say, well, I sit down to write, but I don't know what I'm doing, you know? I say, well, well just listen. Right. And it, and try. Trust what is coming through you because it will be the right thing and it'll surprise you mm-hmm. as much. I mean, when I write it, like, whoa, I didn't, you know, I didn't yep. know I was. Right, right, right. And I think we've been taught to write by, um, you know, this method of just like all this research and all these things coming together and you got to, you got to check all your facts and stuff. Well, why would you do that? You're just taking other people's stuff that they mm-hmm. wrote and re, you know, gurgitating it, you know, with maybe a couple of ideas of your own. And that that's ridiculous. I have that's- like 25, 50 herb books that all say the same thing. Yeah, they and do. I think, huh, you know. Why is anybody afraid to talk about their own personal right. experience? That's really a um, great thing to mention because and, and I do know, so the, there are three realms <laughs> in which mm-hmm. I, I enter into what that space you're describing. One of them is when I'm writing. 
Mm -hmm. uh, but nobody ever watches me write, right? The other mm -hmm. cues are when I play the guitar mm -hmm. or <clears throat> when I'm pruning well, apple tree. There you go. And I didn't yeah. notice, but this happened from, from my wife. This is a long time ago, but um, I was, when I was a Waldorf teacher, I was, I was in the teacher's lounge or in my class. I was in my classroom and the kids were out of pl on the playground. So I was in my classroom, I'm playing my guitar and I didn't know, but my friend was watching me and, and I looked up and she said, Michael, you don't look like the same person when you're, when you're doing that. Mm -hmm. Cause I was just improvising. I was just letting right. come out. And the same thing happened when I was at my old house in Oak Park and I was pruning uh, an apple tree and Bonnie was watching. She said, this is so weird. I said, what, what? Because you don't look like the same person when you're doing that. Because when you enter and, and when you enter into the contemplative space, which is what I think you're describing when, when you, you and your husband talk to the plants, you're you're entering into that contemplative space, you know, where you're letting it. Well, you're you're letting it speak to you, right? right. <clears throat> right. And that's when we talked about Goethe on the show before. That's what his method of science, I'm going to call it that, was 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 listening to to the to the phenomenon and letting them. A hundred percent. Yeah, beautiful. Truly. So that might be a place, a good place to stop. <laughs> and uh, so, so Mary, tell uh, of the, our audience where they can find you. Okay. Um, well, you can just look up my name online, or you can look up the website, uh, <coughs> sacredessences.com or greatlakesacredessences.com. They'll all bring you to, <laughs> to my website. Um, you can email me at sacredessences at gmail.com or mary at sacredessences.com. So any of those things work. That's wonderful. Mary, you speak, you speak with authority. And again, there's such an ease. You have a message to share. And uh, the medium is the message when it comes from you. You know, you're so comfortable with this stuff. It doesn't sound like you're trying to, you know, it's the opposite of propaganda and it's the opposite of defensive. It's that nice middle space. Uh, and it's so refreshing to hear you talk. Thank you. Very much. Thank you. I really enjoyed this interview. Um, this is, this is, um, I love talking about these things. I love, you know, being with other people who, um, who are going down this journey too. Um, yeah. So thank you. I feel honored. Yeah, I encourage like everybody to try like today, if you're listening, try something in this in this musical register of trust, a gut instinct, you know, a vision quest. You know, do something every day, uh, every week, every month that just gets, you know, this this kind of feeling going and you, you know, and because without it, life is just a dead end. And, mm -hmm. you know, and Mary, if, if if you're ever directed in the direction of Grass Lake, Michigan to find anything, <laughs> I'm always welcome in my farm. Yeah, you can. Oh, oh, thank you so much. That'll be wonderful. <laughs> and and thanks everybody for listening to the Regeneration Podcast. Uh, we'll see you again next week. 